Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening in the stars above us for today. It's Friday, Friday. We're ready for the weekend. It's a quiet weekend, really, except for a Venus change that I'm hoping that my guests, Pia and Colin, can talk us through. Of course, they're with the Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology and Calendar. Welcome, Pia and Colin. Thank you, Janet. Delightful to be back with you again. We're always happy to be here sharing with you. Ah, well, we missed you last month, and <laughs> I'm so glad that you made it today. It's always good to have you with us. And you. We, you you come at a perfect time because so much has been going on overhead, not just with Venus, but also with the sun spitting out X-class flares and places burning to the ground and just craziness. Every Just about every person that I know right now is having some sort of upheaval going on in their lives, whether it's personal or whether, like in my case, it's my family that's all seemingly, you know, having all of these ups and downs. Um, it's kind of crazy. Is that Venus? No, no. But it does have some bearing on Venus. I mean, Venus is showing where the Venus star point is right now is showing a little bit of a compatibility with what's going on because Venus, the Venus star moved in its nine and a half month dance. It moves in the sky every nine and a half months. And the Venus star point just moved from balancing, calm, peaceful Libra into Leo. And Leo, fire, light, solar flares, all of Rules it. the sun, or is ruled by the sun. <laughs> so we can expect the sun to be a reflection of some of that energy. Yeah, we're going to have that for the next nine and a half months. So that doesn't mean it's going to be all forest fires and X-class flares, but it does mean we're going to have a lot of sun-related things to contend with, including those things that are so intense, but also including the light that comes from the sun that's infusing us with more and more high vibrational light energy. So we have both going on. It's so interesting because, you know, literally I just read an article, I think it was earlier this week, about the sun and how it is within a year of reaching its maximum uh, solar flare activity. So that kind of goes right along with what's happening with the Venus star. Well, that's a little unusual though, Janet, because the article you just read may not have mentioned the fact that it's highly unusual for the sun to reach its solar maximum in three to four years. It's it, an 11-year cycle. Yeah, right. it, it, it usually takes at least 10, if not 11 years, to do its rotation. So we're feeling not only just heat from the sun, but in all relationships, everything is just way more chaotic, way more complicated, way more agitated. So we're feeling the the intensity of, of this sun cycle in in its hurrying up, hurrying up pattern. We I'm not sure we've ever experienced this before. No, but. no, it's never been like this on this planet. Yeah. But we're getting it now, and there's a reason for it. I don't know what the reason is, but I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's the million dollar question yeah right why yeah. why is all this bs happening and when does it stop is the second question like when does it end or does it end do are we oh. 
I absolutely don't think it's going to end. I think it's going to spiral into whatever comes next that we don't know what that is yet. Yeah. So I don't think it's an ending thing. I think it's a look what it looks like now kind of thing. I think it's a transitional thing. I think we're, I, I think we're in it. We have to get through it, but I'm not sure we know or understand what getting through it means. Well, Colin, you just hit the key word, transition. Transition. Mm-hmm. The Venus phases that Venus goes through in this nine and a half months are also showing up right now. August 6th, Venus moved into transition phase, meaning preparing for moving from evening star to morning star position. And when it gets ready to do that, it goes for four days, it goes completely blank. We can't find it in the evening sky. We can't find it in the morning sky. It's in its phase preparing to be seen in a different position in the sky. So we've got all these phases that are happening. It's a little bit like a woman who's right at the transition phase of giving birth. I, I was thinking just exactly that. And everything starts happening really quickly. And we've got a Venus phase change. We had one on the 6th. We have one on the 13th, the 15th, the 19th, which is tomorrow, the 21st, and then September 3rd. It's breathless. It makes you breathless to think about all these changes that are coming about. And the the interesting thing to me is our friend and colleague, Adam Gainsbourg, Mm -hmm. named these phases with a particular pattern of what he saw with Venus doing astronomically in the sky. But it correlates exactly with what we're talking about, about a birth process. Transition phase on August 6th. August the 13th, we move into inception. That's the beginning, something new. August 15th, we go into gestation. We've planted the seeds for whatever we intended. August the 19th, we have a birth. August the 21st, there's an emergence. What happened from the birth? What's emerging? What's the patterns we're going to see? And that's what we're talking about right now is what patterns are we going to see? And then on September the 3rd, we move into a Huh, calming period will move into fullness and it'll stay fullness for a long time. But- <laughs> Leaves us alone for a while. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> a lot yeah. of changes with Venus right now. Yeah. And I think we've all been feeling it, you know, and of course this is, this happens when she's in retrograde phase. So in some cases we're being drawn backwards to things that may be, um we hadn't completed or relationships coming back at us and that from an astrological point she rules finances the economy essentially um relationships beauty and harmony and peace those kinds of things which i mentioned to the, uh, the audience on monday when we were talking that it's so funny to me that venus came to rec- to be represented uh, by that when in ancient cultures she was inanna who was often seen as this burning comet flying through the skies <laughs> so yeah. it's not unlikely that she's also generating the heat of um maybe some kind of purification within mm-hmm. us um but also the heat that is always the cause of some sort of phase change or transition phase. Well, that's a really good point, Janet, because the divine feminine does stir up some heat if change is needed. And you said purification. And you think about the fires that just happened on Maui. Who is the great goddess in Hawaii? Pele. Pele. Madam Pele. Pele, fire goddess. Goddess of the volcano, right? The So we've got that going on. And then you can speak to some of the attributes of Leo. I've talked about the light 
and the need to be seen. There's a great big look at me, look at me factor within Leo. The heart. But, it's all about the heart. Yes. And, and the stuff going on with the sun right now is let's look and see what we need to see in this light. But please tell, let's talk more about what Leo means with Venus being in Leo. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's back up for just a second because I was, I'm, I'm always a little, I mean, I think sometimes logically, like one foot in front of the other, one step in front of the other. So it was shocking to me that Venus began this new star point at 20 degrees of Leo and not at zero degrees Leo or even 29, you know, where she could back in to the sign. So I, it's always interesting to me the difference between her cycle. She always seems to be just a tad different, right? They always say Venus is Earth twin, but things on Venus do not work the same way as they do on Earth. Her rotation's even reversed from oh, Earth. Right. So there's just something a little different, a vibe perhaps that um, already engenders change. And one of the things that has been happening over the course of time, the last funny thing about mm, eight months, is that the plant, the the point of um, the moon's apogee, also called Black Moon Lilith in uh, astrology, has been in Leo, and she always represents sort of the shadow energy in Leo, so, in whatever sign she's in. So she's going to represent that part, like the in the in the mirror that you have to turn, you know, your head to actually look at and see. Um, so that shadow and the shadow of Leo is about the fear of change, getting caught in uh, a rut, if you will, it is a, a uh, fixed sign in astrology and the fixed signs are steady and loyal. They stay the course, right? They persevere, they're tenacious, but that very tenacity can turn into let's not move. I'm afraid to move. Um, mm -hmm. I'm doing fine right where I am. Isn't everything good here? And yet, uh, you know, this planet is really all about change. So we have the shadow energy of this change, this transformation that's occurring in Leo. And it's truly uh, a transition or a change, a transformation, transfiguration, if whatever word you want to use, of the heart. Mm -hmm. And the heart, of course, being the soul, being love, being, you know, in, in astrology, Leo rules love and romance. Um, it rules the heart in terms of what our passions are, what we love, what we're devoted to, what we embody or engender as an individual, and how we take that and we add it to the voices, the many voices, the many colors of the, the tapestry of planet Earth. So Leo is really, you know, an exuberant sign. It is also known for dramas and traumas. And in its lowest expression, we see Leo when it's not feeling heard, seen, recognized. It gets narcissistic or it gets arrogant or it gets a sort of selfishness about it, overly self-centered uh, energy about it. So we're, we're having to walk a fine line between doing what we love and following our hearts, but also paying attention to how we impact the greater good or the greater whole. So it, it reminds me of, you know, one of the reasons maybe why we're all on this planet, which is about how do we get along and value everybody's different points of view and everybody's different ways of being. Absolutely. That, that is, is an incredibly wonderful description of trying to create unity consciousness by doing exactly what you just suggested. Yeah. And it's interesting 
It's interesting also that what you were just saying about when Leo feels like it's not getting enough attention, we are, we're seeing a lot of people who feel like they're not getting enough attention. I've got a waiting list on people who want chart analysis. They want to see what's going on with me, with my energies, that's not working with my partner's energies or that's not working in my life situation. Show me what's going on in my energies in relationship to the Pleiadian Earth energy system. So there's a lot of attention asking asking attention. I need attention. I need to see what's going on. I need the light to show me what's going on with my energies. And I'm sure you're getting an increase in people right now too. Yeah, but I'm also not able to help a whole lot of other people at the moment just because my own personal life is so filled with, you know, dramas and traumas. It's just one of those things your heart may be feeling sort of called in two different directions. I mean, I certainly want to follow my heart toward my passion and toward the work that I do, but I keep getting these family dramas and things happening that call me that direction, which pulls me away from the other direction. So it has been a sort of ragdoll sort of summer going back and forth between these two things. The important point is what's most important to you in, and as a, as a matter of the heart, what's the matter that is going to sustain your family connections, your heart connections, that type of thing. And knowing, knowing what your energy is and what your karmic patterns that you're trying to move away from are, as well as what your gifts are from your karmic patterns, really helps you deal with that tug of war thing that everybody's going through. Yeah. I think why my chart requests have increased is because of that. Yeah, it's... It's a matter of balance. What what you're both talking about is we're being affected by by outer circumstances, whether it's family situations, our our, our workload, people asking us for extra help. It's it's that that place of balance between those two areas. And um, I sent a quote into a couple of magazines. Um, I I think. I think one came out in England this spring, and I think it came out in somewhere else, Australia or America, more recently. And it's it's a little piece that I wrote years ago, and it's very simple. And it I'll try to say it as completely as I can. Um, saying no is just as divine as saying yes. It's not a selfish act. We have to take care of ourselves first before we can truly help another fully. And I think that is what we're all experiencing right now. We have to really look at how or who do I have to be loyal to? Who do I have to be responsible towards? And it's a tough, it's a tough balancing act to say, look, I'm, I'm involved with lots of things personally, and I can't just step away from that and help you right now because my loyalty probably should be concentrated with family and things that that are really personal to me. And that's a tough one. That is a really tough one because we're all trained to help everyone else first. Yeah. And then and then if we have an ounce of energy left, then we can take care of ourselves. But Janet, you said it perfectly. You said 
Cullen's talking about what loyalty, who are we going to be loyal to? And you said perfectly, we need to follow our hearts. And that's where the, the guidance for where we should place our loyalty is because our hearts will always tell us the truth. Yeah. They'll always tell us what we need to do. But that that doesn't make it simple. It doesn't no. make it easy. No, it's not easy. No, because you're, you're, you know, one of the points you said is, you know, we're conditioned to behave in certain ways. Yeah. And yeah. one of the ways that we are trained, as you said, is to take care of others first, right? We don't think about, okay, do I really have the time, the energy, the finances, the health uh, to be able to help somebody else? We just go out and do it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, not everybody. I mean, some people are real good at keeping those boundaries, but that's another word right now is boundaries. Interestingly enough, Leo also rules the spine in the human body. And, you know, having that support, having that strength, having that ability to hold ourselves in balance is part of the spine. And Leo energy gives us that, presents us with that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it's not lost on me either that we also have another fire sign highly activated, and that's Aries, with mm -hmm. the nodes having shifted uh, last month into uh, Aries and the north node in Aries, the south node in Libra. And one of the biggest things in Aries is about being true to oneself mm -hmm. and filling your own cup first, as it were, before you can actually, you know, start passing it out to other people. The contents of the cup have to be full. And, uh, the Libra South Node, what we are leaving behind is all of those things that we do because we're trying to make other people happy um, that are not necessarily true for us or things that we really want, um, kind of just being a yes person, right? A yes man, yes woman, just yes, I'll do that for you. Not thinking about the impact it's going to have on you. Absolutely. We, we talked to a very wise person earlier today, and he said exactly what you're talking about. He said, I didn't really realize that I was making decisions to please people instead of being more involved in pleasing myself. And I think that was a really important, very simple statement but very true statement that we generally do try to please everyone else. And it, it turns us into people pleasers instead of being more direct using boundaries and obviously taking care of ourselves. And that's a really tough, that's a really tough one in society because of the training and because of the habitual, habitual use of always going outward, outward, outward helping instead of, just maybe being a little bit more quiet, a little bit more not moving as fast and really taking stock of what we need, what we yep. need. Yep, yep, yep. And interesting that you brought up the word uh, no and people saying yes to everything, you know, the yes, uh, the, the people pleasing aspect, because today the sun in human design now, not astrology, but it's astrology based just moved into the gate 29, which is, I always call it the gate of saying yes. It's called the gate of devotion or the gate of commitment. And it is an energy. It's a very, it's a Leo energy and it is about committing and over committing, being mm -hmm. devoted or being half-heartedly involved with something. So it the gate in entails everything about saying yes, 
Like, what do we say yes to? And mm -hmm. devotion is literally linked with the earth moving into the gate of passion. So we have mm -hmm. earth and passion. We have sun and devotion. This entire week then becomes all about what are we devoting our time to? What are our, where's our heart in all of that? Because when you think of devotion, don't you think of love or heart or passion? Mm -hmm. So the challenge, the earth's challenge is what do I devote my passion to? Ooh, what am I passionate about? So some people may be working with what am I passionate about or where, where does my heart lie? You know, a lot of times people are coming to me for a reading because they don't know what their life purpose is. And their life purpose, they think, is linked to what they love or what they're what they should do, as opposed to thinking of it as, well, what would you do all day if you could without even getting paid for it, if you could, because you love it so much. Right. Mm -hmm. When you turn it around that way and you look at it, then you can see, well, what am I what am I currently devoting my time, my energy and my heart to versus what would I really love to be devoting my time, my energy and my heart to and make a course correction, saying yes to the right things and not yes to all things. Important, important, not easy, as Cullen said, no. but important. Yeah. And, and it's interesting what you just talked about. I think if, if we can turn what we love to do into play, instead of work. If, if we can look at it as we're playing, as we're doing what we're doing, instead of it's work, it's, it's the connotation of work is it's either hard or it's tiring or it's something we should be doing or we have to be doing. I think if we can switch that a little bit and turn it into, well, if I'm really passionate about this and I really love doing this, maybe I can look at it as I'm playing instead of working. Yeah, that would be a good way to look at that. And here today, right now, as we sit, we actually have a sort of um, grand trine going on, a couple of them, actually. Um, one that is happening in the fire signs. So we have the sun in the later degrees of, of Leo. We have um, the north node in later degrees because it backs in, it comes in from the 29th degree. So it's sitting in later degrees of Aries. And then we have the galactic center that is not necessarily, not all astrologers will use the galactic center, but I think of the galactic center as a place that infuses the, the solar system, including the earth with new energy or with possibilities or with, um, you know, kind of seeding you know, like the, we were just going through the gestation or we're still in gestation, right? So what, what have we seeded that's getting ready to birth? And um, that any kind of grand trine holds a lot of potential. It's like so easy for us to use our passion, to find our passion, except that it's not because of the conditioning that we have that says doing what you love doesn't pay the bills. Like, it's like an artist who would think, oh, yeah, I would do art every day, all day, but I can't make money from that. So I can't be an artist. And that's so not true. People think they have to go for the money first. And then that means that they can't really do what they love. They have to go with where the money is instead of going where their heart is and letting the money come to them. It's upside down, right? It's a little yes. bit upside down. Our whole culture is upside down, Jan. <laughs> no doubt. 
no doubt. It's yeah. like a, if you've ever watched the the Netflix show Stranger Things, uh, it's a it's a, I mean it's like basically a cult classic already. Um, they are always dealing with the upside down, where you know this there's this this upside down world where things work differently, and there's a crack between what is and the upside down, and you know, evil comes through it and all of these different kinds of things. And I kind of think it shows our, our uh, fear of change, of moving to that more light-filled arena as opposed to staying in the upside down, right, where it's crazy making, where it's um, upside down. <laughs> what else do you say, right? It's upside down. It's crises. It's um, ugliness. It's death. It's it's just an interesting show if you've never watched it. It's about kids too. the The main characters are are young teenagers, and then you see them, you know, growing up. So the question then for everybody, everything that should be on your mind is about what am I devoted to, and what would I devote myself to if 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 there were no other circumstances that I had to consider, and I wasn't worried about failing, what would you do? Who would you be? It's not just about doing. It's also about being. Who would you be in the world? And then to not let passion overwhelm you by just leaping into things, leap into the right things. And that's in human design where our strategy and our authority and our type really helps us to make the right choices for us. But the tendency we'll all have for this next week or the lesson that we're all going to be learning about is saying yes to the right things. Mm -hmm. Like Tom said, he said uh, he made a, an interesting comment. He said he had to learn in adulthood that no is a complete sentence. <laughs> that's a good one, Tom. Yeah. 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 And I believe that's kind of what we're learning as well. Saying no can be a complete sentence. And it it's not because of, you know, being negative or not being willing. It's knowing what's right for you versus what is not right for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. It, I think all of us know the difference between what's best for us, but, but the pressure of whether it's familial, whether it's spousal, whether it's societal, that pressure to fit in to do the right thing, to, to be loved, to be liked. That's what drives us saying yes to things we shouldn't say yes to. And that's where we have to be careful is look at where the pressure is. Look at what's happening and make a different choice. Make, yeah. make a, use a different perspective. Pia and I, in the past couple of weeks, have run up against people who are kind, people who are generous, people who are, are genuine, who are absolutely telling too many people, yes, I can do this for you. They're, they're stacking up the amount of people professionally that they can actually help. And what it does is it causes them to be late or it causes them to not be able to do the work they said they were going to do on a given day. They're not even late. They don't even show up. And I think that's a people pleasing problem where yep. 
they just keep saying, yes, I can help you. Yes, it will be X number of days from now. It will be between eight o'clock in the morning and one o'clock in the afternoon. And either they show up at 5.30 or they don't show up at all. And people are so frazzled, they don't even think to call and say, oops, I can't come today. And it leaves the people who have made the appointments with these professionals on a leash, waiting, waiting, waiting. And it can screw up their professional appointments because they thought the person was going to come when they promise. When they when they promise on a prescribed time. So the people pleasing thing can really get in the way of of people being truly able to take care of everything they promise they can take care of. And that yeah. entails sometimes when somebody calls you up and says, I'm sorry, I can't be there at such and such time, but is that okay with you? It requires the courage to say, No, that's not okay with me because you gave me this and I've got it in my schedule. No, that's really not okay. What else can we work out? But the reason they ask, this is so see-through. Yeah. The reason they ask is they know socially the person they're asking will most likely say, oh, yes, it's okay that you didn't come. It's okay that you screwed up my day or my week because they expect that polite answer. Hmm. It's, it's, it's really pretty funny. Yeah. Yep. 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 You know, but we also have to be flexible, right? We don't want to get caught in, you know, this, um, you know, rut type of situation or where we aren't, you know, mutable, (laughs) flexible, (laughs) adaptable, right? You know, that is a big part of of what we're learning too, to be flexible. But one of the things that I, I said to people when the North Node moved into Aries is that we have to be able to state straight out what it is that we desire. And then give the other person an opportunity or the other members of the group an opportunity to state what their desires are. So that one, I'm being true to me. I'm saying, you know, I I can't make it to this event today or I, you know, need an option. But also giving the other person, as you, Pia, let's say, to say, that won't work for me today. What other options can we come up with? And we can make a compromise that works rather than you compromising in a negative way by just saying, okay, we'll all accommodate you. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a, these are big right. lessons. And we do have to recognize that things happen. Sometimes it's not in everybody's control. And we do have to be flexible when that goes along. But we can't be overly compensating or inflexible. We have to find that balance point between. It's yep. really important in these chaotic times. Yeah. And one of the bigger lessons of, uh, of Aries Libra is about interdependence. Mm-hmm. How we are all, you know, we're all trying to live our lives and get our needs met and make something, uh, make our imprint on the world or, you know, those types of things. So how can we accommodate both? How can we work together? and not always be in a position of having to give ourselves away or expect others to give themselves away. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a Leo thing too, because Leo just kind of expects, hey, I'm the center of attention here and my needs and wants and desires are primary. Yeah, <laughs> They supersede what you want, <laughs> but that's not true, right? We all have to be in this together. Now, one of the things that, um, you know, in human design, the 29 is where the gate is that we're talking about. The gate of devotion or commitment is gate 29, and it sits on the sacral center. So it's about doing. It has a lot of sustainable life force energy attached to it. 
So when we say yes to something, it unleashes or potentially unleashes the power of our sacral or our doing energy. If the sacral is unleashing its energy at something that, if you are unleashing your sacral energy at something that you're really not committed to completely, or that, yes, when I said yes, I was really committed, but today it's like, oh God, what did I say that for? Um, <laughs> then you end up in a half-hearted sort of commitment to yourself, to another, to a project. And in the end, that really saps the energy from the whole thing. And leaves, you know, everybody else trying to pick up the pieces. So the clearest direction that I can give to people is one, don't say yes in the moment. If you're not someone who is meant to say yes in the moment, say yes only if it's something that you're truly committed to. And if you are waffling a little bit, then say, you know, I'm not sure about that. Let me get back to you. Mm -hmm. um, because if you commit yourself half-heartedly, then your unleashed energy goes nowhere. It's like blocked. And it then is just feeling like, oh, I'm stuck in this. I can't get myself out of this. And then the whole energy of devotion to being an embodied spirit goes nowhere. Right? You're just stuck being a human doing and not a human being. Mm -hmm going through the motion. So finding what is the correct thing for us to be devoted to or to unleash our passion toward is the most important thing. What do you want to do? Who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to do it? We all get the permission to do that this week. <laughs> <laughs> but that can be tough for most people. Oh, when, it is. And you said a few moments ago, if if everyone was given the opportunity to do whatever they want, whatever their passion speaks to them about, whatever their love might be, most people, in my experience, would freeze at that moment because people are so used to asking from outside of themselves, what should I do? We're, 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 pretty much trained societally to look outside of ourselves for the answers. So when people say, when they're asking for help and they ask, what is my mission? What am I supposed to do here as a human on earth? They generally ask outside of themselves for that rather than using their own heart wisdom, their own intuition, their own connection to source, their own awareness, even. Mm -hmm. And so even, even giving people the tool to do that by saying, really, if, if you could do anything you want, what would it be? I, I think most people would, would have a pretty hard time focusing on, yeah, I know what I want, and I'm going for that. I think we're trained to always look outside, whether it's religion, government, parents, grandparents, friends, whoever it is. And I think a switch needs to be switched where mm -hmm. people realize that they have all the answers in their own hearts. We've talked about heart energy a lot in this discussion. I think people really need to consider what is my heart telling me? What, what is the wisdom there? What 
what do I really want? Totally disregarding all of the outside influence, all of the outside pressure. All the noise. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's so much static on the line, right? Um, So this week, that's what we're working on. Realigning ourselves to what we are passionate about and saying yes to those things and not to everything because not everybody is here to do everything. <laughs> so we don't need to try to become, you know, superhuman or super, you know, busy. Just say yes to the right things for you and you'll be fine, right? But now, let, having said that, having unleashed the sacral in a direction of something you love or something you truly desire, does that mean it's easy from there on? Does that mean you won't suffer any challenges or setbacks? Here's another thing that happens, right? We start to follow our passion and we're going, yes, this is what I really want. This is what I really love. And then boom, we run into a roadblock or we have a challenge that comes up. And then we say, oh, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing that. Maybe that wasn't really what I was passionate about. We just have to understand that when in following our passions, in following what we love, we're still going to hit some roadblocks. That's about growth and evolution, the evolution of consciousness. So we have to stick with something because another part of these energies, these tw- the gate 29 and the gate 30, devotion and passion, is about being able to hold on to the dream, to the goal, even in the face of obstacles. And to not give up on yourself and leap back out of expressing your desire. So we're presented with the challenge to one, find our desire, but then to stick with it if that was truly from the heart long enough to see the dream become real or to see the goal completed. I think that's a really that's a really important understanding because adversity on the one hand looks like challenges, roadblocks. But on the other hand, adversity is absolutely, as you said, a growth potential. It's it's always giving us something that we can work with, something that challenges us so that we can grow, so that we can evolve. So I think the the negativity around challenge or adversity is it's not real. I mean, it's not really something we need to live by. We We need to understand that these things come into our path on purpose so that we will grow, we will evolve, and we'll become a more complete person through these experiences. Woohoo! <laughs> now, Pia, let's go back to tomorrow's change of the Venus phase to birth. Mm-hmm. In the Pleiadian Earth energy, you call it creation, right? Is that that it's kind of equivalent? Is that right? That's a good way to put it. Yes. And what's interesting to me is that tomorrow's energy is also on the universal energy of 10, yeah, which is the duality of challenge and manifestation. So in this <laughs> birth, there is a challenge. And what are we going to manifest through our intentional attention, paying attention with our intention? What are we going to manifest? Or are we all only going to focus on the challenging aspect and forget that we have the power to manifest? So, yes, it's a creative energy, but it's surrounded by the energy of 10, the universal energy of 10. It's also coming in on the earth energy of exploring. So manifestation and exploring new possibilities. We've been talking about the seeds. We've been planting in gestation. This is all about something new, not the familiar. And that's what the Aries North Node you were talking about 
can mean also finding out what it is you haven't really looked at yet that you need individually. It's all linked together, which is what's so fascinating about all of these systems. They're so connected. Like nesting dolls. They're all nested within one another. So we only have a couple of days of birth, right? From the 19th to the 21st on the Gregorian calendar on the 12 seeing we move into emergence. Now tell us a little bit about that phase. Emergence is more in alignment with the Leo energy. It's more about the brilliance coming out. You know, you've gone through the tunnel, through the dark place of the ideas, the gestation, the birth process itself. Emergence is bringing us up into the light of day. We've done the other steps and now we are here to shine and here to look and see what's really there. And that it comes out on seeing energy is all about seeing. Look at the details. Look at the little paces that you've been ignoring. Look at all the little fine things that combine to make the big picture. And the the universal energy that day is 12, which happens to be Cohen's energy. That's all about understanding the big picture, putting it all together, seeing it, understanding it. How it all fits. Right. So it all, again, it all lines up together and it's perfectly it's a perfect roadmap for us if we pay attention to where the signs are. <laughs> That's right. If you can't see the signs, you don't know where to go. So you got to look for the signs. Right. Um, now, on one of those two days, the 19th or the 21st, that's when she shifts to the morning star phase. Is that right? No, she shifted to the morning star phase on the 13th. We already we already uh, started. Inception. Okay. We're in the morning star phase now, but she's just in the dark of the phase and hasn't really come out. So we can't see her yet. Right. Right. We can't see her in the morning sky yet. And even though, even though technically she's only dark for four days, in reality, it takes about a week to be able to see her in the sky. So we'll be able to see her by the time the emergence phase get here, gets here in the morning sky, early morning sky. Yeah, just before sunrise, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then when we get to September 3rd and we're in fullness, tell us what that is going to be about, since I won't see you again before September 3rd. <laughs> fullness has to do with all the things we've been talking about, about claiming who we are, claiming what we need, living our light and the fullness of this Leo brightness, this, this fire of passion that lives within us, that's guiding us to choose the things we want to do. It's about having a full life. And it's about being fully in service. And it's about being fully in love and fully in passion. It's about whatever brings you a true sense of fulfillment. Fullness is about focusing on what is it do I need to be fulfilled? Very nice. And that's a long phase, right? That one, there's not a change after that for, I don't know, a couple months, several months. Yeah, several months. Yeah. And enjoy it because it's a good one. The fullness is a really upbeat phase before we slam into a challenge one. <laughs> it's like when we have those couple of months where no planets are retrograde. <laughs> and we right. can just move forward and not worry that, you know, we're going to have something thrown back at us. Uh, yeah, it's rare, but it happens, right? When we have those all, all signs say go. Uh, the mm-hmm. green lights, if you look down the road, they're all green. Can I get to every one of them? Yes. Um, now, I have another question for you, which is kind of weird, but I was looking ahead um, for the next week, just astrologically. And of course, next week we have um, the sun transitioning out of Leo and into Virgo on the very same day that Mercury goes retrograde. Yay mm-hmm. for all of us. 
But I also noticed on the Pleiadian calendar that that's one evolving. It starts a new week. Is there any signification around starting a new Pleiadian week at the same time the sun is changing signs and Mercury is going retrograde? It feels stacked for some reason, like there's something that we must really pay attention to. Well, one of my favorite things to bring up is that all new things come out of chaos. And you're looking at Mercury retrograde and the sun in this new position. And Venus has just moved through all of these phases and in a new phase of Leo. And now we're into a new 13-day period of evolving. And we have to look at what does evolution really mean? I mean, we have these all, all these ideas about what evolution is, beginning with what we were trained about with Darwinian, Darwinism, which is basically... We're all monkeys. <laughs> You know, Darwin, Darwin had some ideas about evolution, but they don't necessarily match up with reality. So we have to stop and think, what does it really mean to evolve? What, who am I now and who am I evolving into? And pay attention to that. So, yes, it is a chaotic time. And yes, there are a lot of energies that are stacked there together. And yes, it's on purpose. Being right there side by side with Mercury retrograde, which gives us the chance to look at how do I communicate or not communicate? What's working and what's falling apart? What do I need to examine in these energies? That's all about who am I now that we have to examine before we can look at who am I becoming? Mm. Because on the path of evolution, it's very much about who am I becoming every minute. Right, 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 right. And evolving energy, um, you, you know, if we take out the physical evolution, it really becomes more about the evolution of our consciousness. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The evolution of our consciousness. But I have to point out that the Mayan word for evolving was Kaban, which means earthquake. Yes. So this is an <laughs> earth, <laughs> the earth shaking time for us. And what could be a better point to leap off into higher consciousness than having the very ground beneath our feet shake to say, get with it. You're evolving, you're changing, something different's coming. So I think it's all very much on purpose. Well, let's hope that the earth doesn't quake, but that we each quake in response to the changes we're making in our own lives. <laughs> I would like it that way. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what maybe your LARCMA, um, your group of, of souls is talking about. What are how are they viewing all of the things that are happening on this planet from supposed climate shift, getting hotter, fires, floods? We had floods earlier in the summer in some places. Well, um, a couple things. One thing, and then you can take it from here, but one thing they're really talking about right now is that we really need to start taking responsibility for our choices. And that means our attitude, our thoughts, our words, our actions, all of it, because so many people right now are complacent. They feel like they don't have any power. They don't have any control. They can't make any difference. And so they slip into complacency. And LARTMA has been encouraging on their live calls recently quite a bit of step up, kids. You need to get really responsible for what you're thinking, what you're saying, how you say it, and what you do. And activate some of what Cullen said about saying no is just as divine as saying yes. When are you going to stand up and say no more 5G? When are you going to put your smartphones down and say, this is killing me. I, I don't want it. 
When are you going to take self-responsibility? That's one thing they've been talking about. They, their, their stance on how unique this planet is in regards to we have choice. They, they talk about other planetary civilizations that don't have choice as part of their evolutionary process. They're, they're in a locked, um, I guess we could use the, the Star Trek um, Borg mm. example of, they don't have a choice. The, the Borg tells you what to do, you carry out the actions, they make it perfectly clear that that on this planet, on this plane, we do have choice. That doesn't mean that we're in total control, but we do have choice. And there's always this, this philosophical argument about do we have free will or not? And choice is the part answering, yes, we do have free will. But they have something that they've talked about for decades. They say, we humans have 50% choice of what happens to us. The universe, the cosmos, has the other 50% of what is going to happen. And that if we combine those to make a greater whole, it, it ends up being a much, much better atmosphere, a much, much better place to live. So they go on to say in that school of thought, we have to be 100% positive and as high a vibration in the 50% that we take care of, 100% of that, which makes our 50% really pretty powerful. Because if we work to use 100% of our part, it's powerful, it makes differences it changes the world. So I think what they're trying to help humanity understand, and they've been at this for a very long time, is start making better choices. Mm -hmm. Start making choices that have to do with the highest good of all. Start making choices that make sense for everybody, not just yourself, not just your family, not just your clan, not just your tribe, but everybody. And that everybody includes all the kingdoms. We're not just talking about humans. We're talking about everyone else who lives here that shares this planet. The David kingdom, the animal kingdom, the mineral kingdom. What they're trying to get us to understand is that the more responsible we become, and we talk about responsibility when we talk together on this platform with you often. Yeah. Taking responsibility is one of the greatest things we can do. And that opens up clarity, transparency, honesty, integrity. Being responsible is one of the biggest things we can possibly do to make this a better world. One thing in addition to that, that they've been focusing on lately in alignment with that, taking self-responsibility and not being complacent is the whole split between the biological human who's in alignment with nature and those people who are in alignment with technology, who are more and more and more gravitating towards technological reliance rather than doing things on their own. Two years ago, I wrote a book of short stories called Exit Plan and Other Short Stories. Mm -hmm. And there is a particular short story in there that's my favorite 
or one of my favorites. It's called Automated, and it just poured out of me. And it's all about what it looks like if we become too complacent and we allow the automation to take over because it takes over step by step by step, seeming to be innocuous until all of a sudden we have no more choice. And that would be such a tragedy since we're living on a planet of choice to lose that benefit, that great gift that we have. So they're, they're encouraging us to be reliable. They're encouraging us to be responsible and to make choices that may be difficult, but in the long run are for the highest good. And this, this discussion that we're, that we're focusing on right now also has to do with reliance on outside advice, influence, or guidance. The, the, the whole AI thing, which I could talk about for months at a time, <laughs> AI is taking away our ability to simply think about things with our own cognition. AI is telling us that we will make your life easier AI is telling students from, from middle school through high school through university, we'll write your reports for you. You don't have to write your reports anymore. We'll take care of this. So you can do something else. You can go have fun. You can play a game. Yeah. We, but, but, the, but the idea behind that is it's taking people's focus away from using their own brains, yeah. using, using their own imagination using their own power of thought. And that, from our point of view, and Larkma, our Pleiadian friend's point of view, is absolutely part of the slippery slope. Pia said, we don't realize how it's working until it gets to the point where, gosh, we've given our souls away. And, and how are we gonna reclaim our biological, natural selves? The question of the century, right? <laughs> it is. It is indeed. Yeah. If not the, the millennium, right? That's a big question. You know, it's invasive now as well. I, I was um, making some changes on my website the other day. And what popped up just above, you know, the, the place where I was going to type in, you know, some information was, do you want to, do you want us to generate, do you want to use your uh, AI? Do you want to generate co uh, comments from AI? And I, I was like, when did that come into play on my website? And I'm just like, no, I'm not. Well, I did click on it because I wanted to see what it was going to do. And uh, it didn't really do anything except rewrite everything that I had just written. So that was kind of weird. Like, you just use my own words. I'm like, okay. Um, but I mean, it's like, it just presents itself in front of us for us to use and yes. it, it does under the guise of we're here to help you when they're really there to take over. Yeah, I think and we've had we've had emails that have been changed when they're sent out. Type in the words that I want and AI changes. One really important one, I was doing something to somebody about a relationship question. And I said something about this will this will be a fulfilling relationship if you do blah blah blah. AI inserted the word not. This will not be a fulfilling relationship if you do blah, blah, blah. We're, and we're it's like, okay, that's not really okay to have that happen. Yeah, we're, we're, losing, we're losing manuscript material or, or magazine or journal material 
that's just disappearing. Just disappears. It it just disappears. Backups are essential now more than ever. And we know that apparently someone doesn't like what we're writing and they're taking it away. And that's pretty scary to us. Wow. That's invasive. It is. It is. is. So I think I think the last thing we should say, Pia and Colin, about this is it looks a little bit like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. Yes, but again, you know, these are things that you know technology is is here to be at our service, not for it to become uh, for us to be at its service. So. You know, that's a big lesson that humanity, we're going, we're in that age of Aquarius and Aquarius rules technology. We're going to have to find a way to do this in a way that makes sense, that's balanced, that's helpful and useful and not takes over. That'll be the big challenge of the next, I don't know how many years, 200 years probably. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think we need to be incredibly insightful alert and careful around this issue because it it could go south without most people even realizing what's going on. Mm -hmm. Indeed. We'll have to be careful. We have to stay aware, stay conscious, right? Stay (laughs) awake, eyes wide open, right? Um, Pia, do you have your cards handy? Yes, they are right here. I promised everybody on Monday that I'd let you pull a card for us. The Pleiadian deck is always so wonderful. Let's see what wisdom they have for us for the week. Uh, (laughs) You won't believe what I just pulled. Oh, I will. (laughs) Nature, fire. You are a divine spark of light here to bring the light of your fire into the world. Perfect. Oh, my God. That's a beautiful card. Thank you. Perfect, perfect. I'm still go to the book and tell you what it says in more detail. Yeah, while Pia finds that, I'm still astounded. I shouldn't be, but I'm still astounded at how accurate the randomness of this is, that it it always brings up the right information. Yeah, validates it, validates it, strengthens it. So in the guidebook, it says, as a divine spark of light, you carry fire within you. The element of fire is one of the foundational elements on Earth because it provides heat and light to support life. At the more basic level, your sun, which is fire, warms the entire planet and offers nutrition to the plants and other living beings on Earth, including you. Light from the sun infuses you with wisdom and helps you to understand yourselves as waves of energy. Fire is light, and through a more thorough understanding of fire, you may begin to understand how the light that you are is vital to the evolutionary process of life on Earth. You connect the source of the energy of light. Fire is the most important element for the transmutational process of change. On a physical <laughs> level, fire burns away anything that needs to be destroyed to make room for new growth and possibilities. As part of you, the energy of fire can help you to burn or transcend anything that is in the way of your personal growth. Yet the light of fire must be used consciously, both in the physical world and in your inner world through directing your will for your own conscious evolution. Fire is the element most closely associated with the process of ascension. The light of fire illuminates the merging of your physical body and your light body together. Pay attention to the fire or light within you. Pleiadians relate earth element fire with the cosmic energy of joy. 
Be joyful that you are waves of energy, a divine being of light. This that's it. This covered everything we just talked about. Yeah, we could have Every just skipped the jo- sco- show and read the book. <laughs> just <Yeah>. read hard. <laughs> every, every topic we discussed was was embedded in that information. You just gotta love the way that you. I, I'm always amazed because even when I'm the one pulling cards, it always seems to validate exactly what we were talking about. Like it just or adds a a little bit to it. It's great. I love it. Uh, thank you both so much for being here with me this morning. It was great to see you and great to have you with us. Is there anything going on new in your world that you want to share with the audience before you leave? We have a new 2024 calendar that's going to be available this week. It's not going to be a print version this year. It will be digital, but there are two versions. When you purchase the calendar, you can purchase the low resolution just to use it digitally, or you can get the high resolution and you can have it printed out at your local printer. You get both versions for the same price. So it's on the website or it will be on the website this week. And the 2023 is still for sale for the rest of this month. And then it'll be gone. Yeah. We, we played around with, with printing it. Um, and the, the print version looks exactly like the older print versions. Yeah. Um, it, it, your local printer can make it look just like exactly, this exactly like the print. The we print took version. it and had several versions made, so it's doable. So it enjoy is. it, those of you who want to get the 2024. It'll of be course, we to... want it. It sits right here in front of me, so I can look <laughs> at it every day. <laughs> um, so that'll be what next week you said that comes out, yeah, and it, I'm sure you'll send out an email or something. Yeah, yeah, I will. We will. I will. Anybody who wants to be on our email list for notification, just go to larkma.com l-a-a-r-k-m-a-a.com put yourself on the email list and you'll get all the notices all right so let me put that up here for everybody l-a-a-r-k-m-a-a.com right oh i guess i have to tell it to show (laughs) it just doesn't (laughs) automatically automatically show uh here we go show Boom. All right. So there now that's on the video. Everybody can see that. Uh, I guess we'll be together again, September 15th ish. Yep. 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 I'm that's reading that I'm correctly. Yes. And I look forward to creek, that. If the creek don't rise. <laughs> I guess there's a tropical storm heading to Southern California. <laughs> like, no. <what? laughs> I grew up there. We never had tropical storms. Oh, everything no, we only had hard. earthquakes. Right. Right? But Tropical Storm Hillary, interesting name. <laughs> Head <laughs> for SoCal. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyway, take care, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you two next month. Bye bye. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.